Are you ready to embrace a healthier, more vibrant life? Look no further than With Joy, a transformative movement and nutrition program that goes beyond the ordinary. With Joy is not just a program, it's a movement. We believe that true wellness encompasses mind, body, and spirit. Our approach is rooted in compassion care tailored to each individual. We're here to elevate you to a place of health, wellness, and healing. Whether you're a seasoned athlete or just starting your fitness journey, we've got something for you. Our comprehensive programs include strength, mobility, endurance, and conditioning to elevate your fitness, recovery and recuperation for healing, and nutrition wellness plans to fuel your body for optimal performance. Check out our show notes for more information and links to our programs. Join the With Joy movement today and discover a whole new way to thrive. This journey to break the silence has been a 30-year process. A part of this process has been reaching out to our childhood friends and wonderful gymnasts who are important people in our lives. For me, it led to reach out to one of my dearest former teammates, Kara Cook, back then Kara Simpkins. We had the honor of hearing Kara's story the other day, and we would love to share this interview with you. Without further ado. Hi, I'm Joy Han Silva. And I'm Laura Han Segundo Collins. And welcome to Hanacity. Hi, we have an amazing guest today. So this is my very dear friend, Kara, who I trained with at Pozars. Kara, do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. Hi, uh, my name's Kara. It's now Cook, last name. It used to be Simkins. And I was trying to count back to the last time I saw you, Joy. I think it was one time in the last 30 years, but that was over 20 years ago. So it's been, it's yeah. been a really long time. We're bringing back the, the past life here. Yeah, I think the last time I might have saw you was briefly after you may have graduated college. Oh my god. We did a quick lunch with another teammate of ours. Right. Yeah, pretty much after your collegiate career. But I also I remember recently talking to you and having these stories that we've never shared for 30 plus years. So I'm really excited because I get to hear your gymnastics story. And we briefly touched on it maybe about a month ago. It was a conversation of like, what the heck happened to us, you know, in some ways, like what what was that, you know? Um, And it's, it's interesting because me and Laura have talked about talking to our teammates, you know, and Mm -hmm. reconnecting with some of our teammates that we haven't talked to in decades. There's this connection that we have that we only get because Mm -hmm. we went through this very significant, very unique experience. And so I'm excited for people to hear your story and your take on things. I just have to say, it's finally nice to see you, Kara. It's been- I know, I was thinking thinking about the last time I saw you and do you know when it was? It was, Laura, it was when I came to visit Joy in Glendale. And what year was that? It was like the 90s. I think we were still doing gymnastics together. So Kara is the only friend that came home with me when I lived away. She's the only friend that I brought with me. And I don't know how we got a week off in order for you to come home with me. I think it was just a weekend, wasn't it? It was like Well, that makes a little more sense. We didn't get a week off. We got a weekend off. I remember it it was like after season. I don't know. For some reason, June comes to mind, and it it was after season, and it was a weekend. I think it was a Friday or Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) Too ambitious to get a week off. There's no way we got a week off, but we got a couple days off. Laura, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I remember meeting you and just being almost awestruck because I was like, oh my gosh, she was in a lead and she traded Carolis. And we were so, yeah, we were what, 12? I think 12. Yeah, we so we were still yeah. trying to break through like the elite yeah. scene. And it was just so, it was like, oh, oh my gosh, so cool. So that's yeah. your cousin. <laughs> yeah. well, and then I'm trying to remember who I, when we went that Christmas to visit you, Joy, and I'm sure you were in the gym, Kara, but I was in looking back and thinking about it because I, we have the, a couple of pictures um, and I saw my old teammate who was your teammate. And of course I saw my coach for the first time since I saw Rick for the first time since he left Carolis in 1990. Mm -hmm. And looking back now, thinking about that moment was I was in unable, like not functioning really mm -hmm. when it came down to it. I was just trying to keep it together because it was a lot totally. of the first and just trying to be there was so much flooding of so many feelings and thoughts and the, but I went to training, which was smile and keep it together. I'm looking at mm -hmm. my old teammate and she was able to go on with a career that I couldn't because of my injuries, partially because mm -hmm. of that guy. Um, and then trying to be available to be there for joy and see the life that she had built there. Really interesting. <laughs> and I'm actually really glad that we have each other because it's just like Joy was saying, that's just like this common thread that we have together, even though I'm a few years older than y'all, that mm -hmm. we still had same experiences. Like you can't yeah. make this up when it's the same person. That one Multiple. person impacted yeah. so many people mm -hmm. and yeah. it doesn't Hundreds. matter. It, it transcended years. I will say about that picture that when I came up to visit y'all, there's a picture of me. I, I'm probably like 15 or 16. And that teammate, she's actually, I think she's older than me. So maybe yeah, about she... a year. I re recall thinking to myself, like, she looks just like she did when I left her in 1990. And I myself, of course, I had gone through puberty. So my body's now changed. And I have, you mm -hmm. know, I have breasts and my hair. I'm bigger mm -hmm. in general. But it's wild. It's wild that yeah. where my story ends is where your story begins, at least for this episode. <clears throat> but yeah. anyway, can we go all the way back? and hear about you yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kara, so just how did you come to gymnastics? What is your gymnastics story? Yeah, I remember the day my mom said, yes, you can start taking classes. And I was three. I had two older sisters that did gymnastics, and they're much older. They're 16 and 12 years older than I am. They were in high school already. And at that stage, Laura, you probably remember, was class four, three, two, one. So they were class one. They both went on to college to do it there. And so, I, of course, I just wanted to be like them. I would flip all over. I remember we would take flour and make lines on our living room floor for the beam. And they would teach me flips. And so I just thought it was so cool. I had tons of energy. And so at first, I really wanted to do it. I had this awesome coach at Posars. I started at Posars. It was fun until I was about eight um, when Rick came, when Rick came to Pozard. And at that time, I remember it being a huge monumental shift. I was in second mm. grade, I think, mm. when he came. Mm. I was pretty little. So yeah, that's, that's how it all started. You say that shift. Can you tell us a little bit more what that meant? Yeah, I just remember hearing that there was this world-class coach coming from Corolli's and it was a special opportunity for Sacramento gymnasts to make it big. And he was going to choose a team of 10. I think I was eight years old, just turning nine, maybe. He was going to print out, I think it was like a hard copy printout of 10 names by the end of a certain amount of time, whether it was a week or a couple weeks or a month. I don't remember. I just remember being like, oh my gosh, like, that's so cool. I want to be on that list, you know? And then 
Of course, in the background, I'm sure there is monumental politics amongst parents who's going to make this list and all that stuff. I do remember it being a lot of like feeling like pressure, but I don't remember what was said. I just remember like, yes, hopefully you make this list. <laughs> and then I remember being the 10th one on there. And it kind of was symbolic for the rest of my career because I was always like <laughs> the very last one to barely make whatever group or team or anything. And so it was always just barely sliding by. And later, I think that came to play a lot because with our coaches, like techniques, it was easy to pit me. Well, you don't want to be like number 10. It was really easy to pit us against one another. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, yeah, I made that team, but here's what was symbolic and monumental about it is that all of a sudden it went from this fun recreational sport, see where you go with it to like cutthroat. You're all pit against each mm -hmm. other. They took us out of school. So we started that seven to 9 AM before school practice mm -hmm. and then three 30 to eight 30 or whenever it ended kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was a second or third grader and my parents pulled Jeez. me out of school. And now looking back, I'm like, what were they thinking? <laughs> but my mom was this immigrant daughter and then figured that I was the last kid of four and I was going to maybe make it big. She was just thinking, I'll get the best training for you. I mean, you guys can mm -hmm. definitely <laughs> yeah, relate totally. to that. You know, it's like your parents come to make a better world for their kids. And so she's sure. like, I'm just going to get her the best training. So good intent, but they had no clue what was going on actually their parents couldn't watch they had no clue what was being said or done i do remember at that point being like i made the team thank god my honor is intact i guess for my family but now what this is weird and it's scary and I, you're so little all you know is you're scared you want to do good because you're a little kid and you're gonna work hard and do your best but it feels weird i didn't know i didn't couldn't put any other name to how it felt I did know a lot of people that left the club at that point because Rick came and they were just like, this is not for our family. This is not the atmosphere we wanted. I actually remember the station wagon pulling out with three girls in it and they're like, we're out. <laughs> and my mom just being like, oh, wow, they left. And I was like, why aren't we leaving? Thinking, you know, but I was just like, okay, we're going to go do this. This is what we're doing. You know, you don't really think much beyond that when you're so little. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, I share this on my episode when I talk about coming to posers, Kara, because my experience prior was super nurturing. The very first coach I had was this motherly figure who really became a part of our family. And so I just remember my tryout and the evaluation that I went to. I just remember everyone was so good walking in. There was definitely a shift in attitude. And I remember everybody being very serious, mm -hmm. very limited, mm -hmm. like laughing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you guys definitely talked, but it, there's not much giggling. It's almost like you're, no. you're very put together. You're super serious. And we're all like 11, I think at Is this right? time when I came into this evaluation. And I was a very ambitious kid that wanted to excel and do really well with gymnastics. So it was almost like that seemed like what it took to be yep. a high level gymnast. Yep. Um, there was no question of if this is wrong or so, you know, in your mindset, like going in, Rick coming in as a little girl, did you have these strong ambitions to be a high level gymnast or you obviously 
had something in you, right? Like you had some sort of potential, whether you're 10th on the list or first on the list, Rick saw you and he was like, that is one of the 10 girls I'm going to take. What at this point did you think about gymnastics? Did you want to be a high level gymnast? It's such a good question. I don't think I've ever contemplated it that way, but I think to answer simply, I just kind of went with the flow (laughs) and I kind of do that in life in general. I didn't have this crazy ambition to go to the Olympics. I was like, cool, if it gets to that, sweet. But I'm just kind of doing this. This is the direction the wind's blowing me right now. And it seems like that's Mm -hmm. the right thing to do. I I had countless times later in the years where I literally, I remember this one time, like refusing to get out of the car because I hated, I didn't want to go to practice. We were in the parking lot at practice and I I was holding onto the door. And my dad was like, okay, get out. And I was like, nope, I want to play softball. Mm -hmm. I just remember repeating that you want to play softball and I'm like yep I've said this a hundred times I think I was like 13 Mm -hmm. I mean we were older by then and he was like okay we'll we'll talk about it after practice and I was like well there goes that you know at some point you're kind of helpless because you don't feel like you're being heard so you just go along with it I knew I knew I didn't have like the talent to go to the Olympics I knew that but I did think okay maybe one day I can get a college scholarship in the back of my mind or I thought maybe one day I'll make like some elite scene on some minor level. That'd be kind of cool to make a national team or something and go internationally on a couple meets. I didn't have quick twitch muscle fibers. I knew I wasn't that strong, but I knew if I, I could work really hard and do decent. So I never thought I'm going to go get an Olympic gold medal, but I just thought, well, if this is kind of my destiny, this is the way I'm being pushed. I'll just make the best out of it and do the best I can. Hmm. Mm, yeah. yeah, this seems to be a common theme in, in our stories is the decisions of adults on children and not being heard mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So true. Yeah, for sure. Do you remember when we first met? Yes. Well, I don't remember <laughs> if it was the first time we had actually met, but I remember the first time that it resonated that we were going to be teammates. So example, I don't remember your evaluation. I don't remember it. We probably had a lot of girls evaluate at that time. We did. We had tons. And I remember it being this, like, who's it going to be? And what's it going to be like? And, and it almost Mm -hmm. was it, it sadly. And I I don't, we've never talked, like, I've never talked about this, but Mm -hmm. now looking back, I do remember it was almost a show that day when there was an evaluation it was kind of sick. We're going to make it a little harder and see how that person, like, do you remember the run and the conditioning before you even start working out? Like uh, they I definitely turned it up a few notches. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. And it was like a weed out thing. And, and mm-hmm. I think it got mm-hmm. to a point where it's survival of the fittest. Right. And it was like, she's going to make it or she's not, you know, and it, it's sick. Right. To think of that way. But I, mm-hmm. I remember one girl, she was only eight. And she sat down and started bawling in the middle. And I remember, oh, this is really bad. I think the human level kicked in and I was like, this girl's so young. And Mm. so for you, I remember you being super calm and shy. Like most of us were shy and and nice. And I think we just kind of clicked and hit it off. And I was like, we're going to be friends, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of how I saw things. I didn't see people as competitors. I see the person next to me and the talent that they have. That's so not Mm -hmm. me. So I was just kind of like, cool, maybe this is someone that I can have fun with and chuckle with (laughs) on the side, you know? So that's kind of what I remember about you. And then I remember when you boarded with Rick, 
And I remember thinking, I don't know if I told my mom, like, hey, can Joy come over more often or what? <laughs> but I was like, so much we need better. to hang out. <laughs> yeah. But we yeah. Were definitely... I mean, I spent a lot of weekends with you and your family. Yeah, it, it was definitely a lot. quick friendship. You know, when you go through stuff together, you get each other, like you said, you understand each other and you bond through that. And it was a respite being with one another because we knew what we were going through, but we didn't have to talk about it. And we could just have like little preteens and have fun. You can be kids. Yeah. You can still yeah. be kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because you triggered a memory. I do remember that first practice and that run and the conditioning that we had that day. <laughs> I was so sore. I remember my parents were still with me for a couple of days before they said goodbye. And I was so sore the next day that my mom had to give me a full body massage because I was yep. like, I don't know if I can go Function. to practice. Yeah. I could barely walk. But that was um, intentional. So it's funny that that technique well, yeah. was so intentional. It was almost like if you made it past the run and the conditioning the first day, you were kind of like in, um, regardless of your skills thereafter, you know? So yeah, that was no, very intentional. That's so funny. We talked about this on our call. I th- do you think that there was a couple girls that I definitely instantly gravitated towards because you guys were super kind, but it was also the first time, and I don't know your experience, Kara, that I felt competitiveness in my group where there are some girls that it felt like a competition yeah, and it felt like with out, outdoing each other. And it was almost like, you're not taking my place. Yes. And it was the first time I went to school with a couple of my teammates. I've never yeah, done that before. That. And so yeah. now I'm in a situation where it's constant where nothing is my own. So with you, school gets taken away, right? You're in the gym all day. Your free time is with your teammate for playing together, right? It's only just gymnastics. So prior to posers, Mm -hmm. I had these points of freedom where my life didn't just revolve around gymnastics. I had friends at schools that Mm -hmm. had no idea what gymnastics was and it could be myself and not Joy, the gymnast, you know? So for you leaving school at like second or third grade and your life being consumed with just gymnastics, did you have any relief at all in your childhood that was just simply Kara's question? Um, So I did stay in school until eighth or ninth grade, but it was a shortened day. So I would arrive late and leave early and then throughout the years, some variation of that until eighth or ninth grade. I think it was ninth grade. Yeah. So I did have school, but yes, you're care of the gymnast and people have all these questions. Like, why are you late? Why are you leaving early? Even my teachers would inquire. And I remember a fifth grade teacher being like, are you okay? You don't mm. seem happy. And I remember crying and it being one of the first people to ever asked that. Cause like you said, Laura, it was, you just paste the smile on, you put your shoulders back, your chin up, and you just keep going, right? Right. So I would say for me, I tried to rely on family. When my sisters would come home from college at that point, that was my highlight. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember Sundays we were off gym, and we ha- and my family we went to church, and that was Catholic, so it was very similar to gymnastics, very rigorous and serious mm. and traditional. Mm. So that was not a release. But after church on Sundays was kind of my only time. We would always have Sunday family dinner with my grandma or whoever was in town for my siblings coming home from college. I totally remember that, too. Do you? That's crazy. I yeah. remember your grandma. You do? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. Do. So I think that That's was kind of it. It was the only 
variation from gym and studies was a little bit of family life. And yeah, Sunday family dinner, I guess that's where it was ingrained. That's kind of my respite. And that was it. It's sad to think of now. Like, nope. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, like where did my childhood go, right? Tara, how did your siblings respond to this change in your family dynamic because of gymnastics? Yeah, they were aloof because they were in college. My sister was 18. I was two. So she was in college and Mm -hmm. she was my closest sister. And then my middle sister was trying to get into college for gymnastics. And then she got in. And by that time, so I was only like six or seven when she was in college, you know, Mm -hmm. so none of this had started. So they were unaware. And my brother was in soccer pretty serious too. So... It, it was not known, I think. You just wow. you just did it. Nobody else right. knew. Yeah. yeah. So you're really trying to hold a lot of feelings and thoughts on your own. And you have these glimpses of trying to tell your dad how you feel, for example, or what you're really mm-hmm. thinking, for example. And then the response is no response. Yeah. Yep. Just keep yeah. going. Just Pick keep it up. going. Mm-hmm. Wow. Deal with it. That, that's our generation, isn't it? Just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I've shared a little bit with Laura because your memory is really crazy during this time and stuff that you had reminded me on our phone call. I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot that. <laughs> Do you remember the very first time you ever got kicked out of gym? Oh my God. Because you have some crazy stories oh when you gosh. got kicked out. Yeah. Let me circle back first. So you made a comment because this is related to your question about getting kicked out. I didn't feel the competition that likely you felt amongst mm-hmm. our immediate group of six that we trained together with. And that's because I was not on the same trajectory. I was always the last one, right? The one you pit up against. So they didn't see me as competition. I never beat them in competitions. So I didn't feel that same amount of pressure that likely you did. And I guess the kids that had more promise. (laughs) And so I got kicked out a ton because I was the person that It was like, don't be like her. You don't want to be the last one. And so Hmm. the first time I got kicked out, I I don't remember. I do remember the one good thing I had was cardio. And so the run was my specialty. Um, So that was the one thing. You led a lot. uh (laughs) I would always leave, but I'd be like, well, something I can do decent. So I'll just do this, you know, but every other thing I would get kicked out on, like my upper body strength was terrible. So I'd always get kicked out on strength or bars or they'd make me do double or triple strength or go to the back and do this many I remember the one-legged hops you'd have to do and like Mm. squat jumps and and so a lot of the time my punishment would either be to go be unseen in the back in the locker room area or for me it would be extra strength Mm. or extra plyometrics and I would have to do it silently in the corner or whatever. And sometimes it would be for hours and hours and hours. And I do remember one time feeling that threshold of like, I think that was just abuse. <laughs> it just happened. Mm, <laughs> I do remember it. And yeah. I remember it being a Saturday. And I think it was the entire workout I had to do strength, which was mm. like, I don't know, five, six hour workout, right? And I remember coming mm-hmm. home and not saying a word. My mom and I sometimes would go just walk, do a hot lap through the mall. That was like our big outing. Come to think of it. I just want to go home this day. I can't walk. I can't. And, but I didn't tell her that. I just was like, I don't feel good. I want to go home. And I remember going in the bath and getting a bar of dial soap and just going back and forth on my quads yep. as many times as possible to just try to function. Right. Yep. 
Um, so my kick outs were short. Usually it was like to show us, by the way, sorry to stop you. How, how old are you in that memory? Maybe like 11, 12, just itty bitty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still pretty tiny and skinny and hadn't developed any muscle yet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, no, no 11 or 12 year old should be sitting in a bathtub trying to get their legs to work with dial soap because (laughs) their coach made them. Yeah. Condition for hours and hours and hours on end. I remember being pissed too, because I did have a little competitiveness with myself. I was like, oh shoot, I'm not going to get to do any tricks today to build my difficulty because Mm. I have to do conditioning all day. So I'm going to fall even more behind on that. Anyway. Right. You couldn't do the thing that you wanted to do, which was uh, like fly in the air. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only cool part. Ridiculous. (laughs) Wow. That's a good point. I didn't even think of, yeah, like, like conditioning would take the kids. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that are hyperactive. I never like, ever thought what? of well, that. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing with Rick and all the, for, first of all, when you said the six, I just, the trigger of the six pack, for example, in mm-hmm. Corollis when I was in there, because Rick was group one, this whole season about, that's right. about the group ones, right? And we had like 10 or something, I think at the height. And we could still giggle. We, it was really serious, and but we could still sort of giggle and be with each other. A lot of it was under the breath. But we had the same thing. There was once he just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and had his condition all day. I think I could walk for like three or four days, but I was 12 mm-hmm. or 11 yeah. or something like around yeah. the same time. And looking back, thinking for years, thinking that that was normal. And only now when I have a 12-year-old thinking hell no, that's not normal. I would never yeah. have my child go through something yeah. like that. Like, it's insane what that man put us all through. Again, how it transcended a generation from just, Mm -hmm. you can go from one gym to another, it's still the same person. Yep. And what it does, it takes away from you going in there, doing the thing that your family put so much money into, which Mm -hmm. is to do gymnastics. Yeah. It's crazy. And also the sacrifice that we do, right? right, in order to be a gymnast. And so now we're getting punished. And I often think about this care. I don't, I mean, obviously in my adulthood, not, not when I was a kid, but it was like, nobody intervened for us either. Right. There is plenty of adults in that gym who had the authority to be like, that's enough. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like, where were our rescuers in that moment? You know? Yeah. Um, I think about a lot. And I like you think, s- oh, go ahead. Well, and then like you said, our parents aren't in the gym. They're not really there watching, right? They're not really allowed to be there. Did you ever go home and tell your parents, like, I got kicked out for this reason? What was their response to this? What did they say to you? All the time. I would get in more trouble at home. Hmm. Mm -hmm. They'd be like, well, what'd you do for that to happen? (laughs) 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 Nice going. And I do remember I, I said that my sisters would come home from college. Well, I was only seven when my oldest sister got married and I got a new brother-in-law and he came to pick me up one day and it was the day I had gotten kicked out and I got kicked out to the extent where he's like I don't want to see you just get out of this building and I was so relieved because my brother-in-law was there not my parents so my brother-in-law brought me home and I don't even remember if my sister was in the car she must have been but I was like Thank you so much for being here because now I don't have to have the wrath of my parents when I get home. I'm wow. sure I did because they're like, why are you home? Practice isn't right. over. But I just remember feeling so relieved and calm going home in his car mm. Um, mm. because I didn't have to take the wrath going home in my parents' car. That's right. Wow. 
Right. Right. Cause it's cultural. Gosh, it is. A, we all, yeah. it's a whole drinking thing. It's everybody for sure. was, was part of it. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Thank um, you, brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Are you overwhelmed, stuck, maybe disconnected in your relationship? Would you like to find more clarity and balance? Look no further than Laura Collins, LCSW, providing individual and couples counseling with warmth and empathy, a safe space to navigate life's challenges and connect you with your shine. Laura also specializes in working with current and former athletes and coaches, performance anxiety to post-competition transition. She understands the unique mental demands of the sports world. Curious to dive deep? Check out the links in our show notes for additional information about our practice and how we can support you in your journey. So one of the big competitions that we went to was the Aloha Gym Fest in Hawaii. <laughs> it was such a fun meet because the judges would be dressed in moo's and they would give us lays for part of our award ceremony. But I have this very distinct memory. We left the day after Christmas and we had to go into practice on Christmas Day, Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. I remember it was like an early Christmas practice. Nine, it wasn't like eight. that. I remember the time. Yep. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. So we we got an we got an hour an hour sleep mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> Woo! But, Merry Christmas. Yeah, but I just remember. So my parents were in town, and I just remember my brothers were there too, and they were like, "You have practice today? It's Christmas. <laughs> like, what the mm-hmm. <laughs> what the heck is going on? Yeah. Like, who has practice on Christmas morning? Mm-hmm. Do you remember how you spent your Christmas that day, and what oh. was the response of your sisters?" Well, rewind. This was Aloha Gym Fest number two for me. The one previous Mm. I had gone to, I don't think you were yet at Pozars. And I remember not getting selected to go. And it was this whole drama because I remember being in my bed and it was time for my parents to say goodnight to me. And I was nine the first time. And I was, did I make the team? And they were like, well, we kind of opted you out. And I was like, what are you talking about? Now I'm going to be this disgrace in the gym. Oh, and I just remember bawling. I don't know if it was financial. My parents didn't tell me, you know, I don't know if they were mm. like, this is too much money for us. I have no clue if it was my ability. I do remember I ended up going to the Aloha Gym Fest that year when I was nine um, and having a great competition. It was great. So fast forward, this was time two, Joy. And I remember we did have practice and I remember being, I think we were 11 that year or I was 11, I opened gifts early. My sisters were home from college and my brother was there. And then we're like, okay, time for prep. And I remember my middle sister being like, oh, on Christmas? Like yelling it <laughs> to my mom. Yeah, because it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then that was it though. Nobody was like, oh yeah, that's weird. We just swooped up. And I remember this round tray I had every day. You probably remember stuff like this, Joy, because I live 30 minutes away. This round tray... That was my breakfast and my dinner every single day. I do remember that. that. came with us in the car. And I had it on Christmas. And the amount of food on there was not enough. Now thinking back, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, I remember having the round tray on Christmas. Yeah, mouse portions. And then we got there. And I do remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember that day being exceptionally horrible at practice. I don't remember too Mm -hmm. many details. I do remember someone throwing up in the bushes. In the oh front, God. on the run. 
I don't know who it was, but I don't know who, if they were sick or if we had too hard of a run or what. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a fun day. I remember him screaming. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm like, can we just be done with, like, I'm just, can we just get through this and go to Hawaii? Yeah, I remember it being, (laughs) wow. Yeah, I remember Rick waking up on the wrong side of the bed that day. Probably because we had practice on Christmas morning and he had to go to work. (laughs) But... I don't know. Because that's that not normal. So weird. I do remember two of our teammates getting kicked out that morning, and he wish he basically said, "Get the f out of here." And he was like, "A Merry Christmas to you, and have a Merry fucking Christmas." Is what he wow. said when they got kicked out. That's probably. Like I do remember that the first human we knew to say the f word too, because our parents were all so pristine. You know, like yes, and and some of the words I was like, "What's that me until that point, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Laura and I talk about imbecile a lot, and I'm like, I did not know what that word was at that age. I did not know. Dictionary. I remember. (laughs) I I mean, I'm like, it has to be bad because he's yelling it, but I had no idea what it was, you know. Um, but yeah, I do remember. Do you remember Yoke doing Monte Grasse? Oh my god! I I still remember that phrase. I don't know if it's Romanian or Russian, but it was some cuss words he would say when he was really pissed. Kara, yeah. did he do grooving chicken far up fun? King dig it, whoopee, all right, out of sight, yeah? I remember that. No, I don't do remember, remember that. that. You what like when that? you did something good. He when you did do. something good, yeah, he, he had would, this like. When he was in a real f- fun, spicy mood, he would, he and you did something well, he would say, grooving chicken far up fun. King dig it, whoopee, all right, out of sight, yeah. And when when we'd get that. I mean, one of my teammates, my beautiful Mariana, I, sh- I remember her. She's saying, like, I just have a great day. This is a great day. It, you'd feel like on top of the world when that man gave you, uh, you know, some good oh, note, right? It didn't take much. I don't think I ever us. got that. <laughs> I mean, it was rare. It was rare. Oh it was gosh. one of those rare moods. Most of the time it was yeah. either nothing or fine. Are good you know even that was like oh god i did i did well i did well wait, wait so wait go back to the aloha thing Ben's you're having christmas year oh. in workout and then what happens we go to we go to honolulu and we did really well as a team i remember zero like i don't you remember what level zero. were we level 10? 10 i remember one of our teammates fell and our coach leaving the competition and us looking at each other like, now what? What are we supposed to do? Is there another coach that can help us out? Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what level I was. I don't remember any skills I did. I don't remember because we had another coach that coached Beam. Were, were they there? I don't remember any of that. Um, yeah, I think that my memory is a little vague too because I, I have br- brief moments of Rick walking out on competitions. You yeah. reminded me that he walked out on this competition. He walked out on me on, on a practice, like we were practicing before competition. I was by myself. I don't know why I was by myself. And he left my practice. And I do remember the day of competition, my parents were contemplating if he walks out on you on competition. So my old coach came to watch that meet. They were like, we'll just ask Joanne to coach you. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 like, don't do that. That's going to get me in so much shit. Like, no, if he walks out in competition, I'm alone. Like, we're fine. Totally fine. I got this. You must have, um, like, yeah, made like, some finals or something, Joy. I don't remember or what it was, group? but I just I remember. Know. Yeah. I don't remember, but I remember I was by myself and they were like, 
if he walks out on you, we'll just ask your old coach. And I and I just freaked out in panic. But I do remember a little bit about him walking out at that competition. And you had reminded me we were on bars and we were doing releases and somebody had to like basically bring in a crash mat in and out in order for us to like, you know, like if we fell, like something was safe. And I don't know if we just did it for each other or... We probably did because we did it in the gym every day. I don't remember any of that. Yeah. Yeah, but I do remember being on bars and somebody having to to do that. I don't know if it was a warm up or he eventually came back. I have no idea, but but that was common. And I think about that with practice too. When he would mm-hmm. get mad, mm-hmm. he leave practice and we'd be at practice by ourselves. But the funny thing is, when he left, we still stayed the whole entire workout. Why didn't we like leave? we finished the conditioning? <laughs> I remember there was one time he left and he had us do these really long. Remember our tumbling conditioning where we like it was building endurance where we have handstand snap down to back handstand, yep, back yep, handstand, yep. back tucks, or then we do yeah. standing back tucks or whatever. It was this whole series that we had and he left. And I remember doing this conditioning and it took us forever to get through it. And I'd be like, why are we still here? He's not even here. He's not counting our reps but all of us stayed and finished our conditioning we were probably like, afraid of if we hadn't done that what he would have found out and he would have punished us more that's right but it was just it was strange to me it felt very militant yeah. in a way yeah it's yeah, a disobedient sure. sort of like we have to do this you know and yeah if my parents were like let's just go home I probably would have been like I can't you know yeah, yeah. Um, I don't understand Yep, totally. Yeah. It's going to be worse totally. if I go yeah. home. Resonates. Yeah. And how uh, even in your group of teammates, and the same thing here, if someone mm-hmm. didn't go through it, somebody's going to say something. Someone's going to uphold the yeah. status quo, which the status quo is fear. I just wanted to touch base because you have this really interesting part in your career. Because there's this thing where Laura was at Crowley's. You have this story about Rick coming to Posars and how he was introduced to Posars. Mm-hmm. I come in, I'm in part of Posars. And then I had an injury that made me go home and mm. recuperate during that time. And before I recuperated, we had a teammate that had a pretty traumatic injury. And I remember mm-hmm. being there when she got injured, but this really changed the trajectory of what mm. happened to Rick at Posars. He ended up leaving. I am not at Posars at this time. I'm recuperating an injury. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through like Rick's departure and your experience in that? Yeah. Yeah. The injury was really traumatizing that particular day. And that's another story for, you know, that person. But I do remember it being a turning point because I questioned at that point, like, how is this method of coaching going to make my story in the future? I also remember contemplating that for a second, literally, and then being like, well, you kind of tried to get out of this and it hasn't worked so far, so you might as well keep going. I do remember when we were told that Rick would no longer be at Pozar's, we were told... I don't know if we were directly told or it would be nice if someone was like, hey, this is what's happening. I don't think that ever happened. I think we just heard. Rick never said goodbye either. Oh, no. Did Rick never say goodbye? No, no. And if he did, forgive me, I don't remember it. I I just remember hearing kind of through the grapevine that he's not coming back. No one even told us he's not coming back. It was just kind of hearsay. Mm -hmm. And that became true. Mm -hmm. And I remember us being over by the trampoline and another teammate was there. I remember them breaking down into tears 
And it wasn't because our coach was leaving. It was because the family they boarded with might be leaving Pozars as well. And Um, because of Rick's departure mm. and our teammate that was crying was like, I just loved living with that family. And it took me a long time to find a family that I loved living with. And that's what they were scared of. Um, And then another teammate was kind of like happy, you know, it was just mixed reactions everywhere. And I remember being like, all right, I'll see what my parents always in the background had some like, here's our next step, right? Reactive. They weren't proactive. That's for sure. So they kind of waited and saw, and we got another coach. We got another two coaches, and that was horrible. It was even worse Um, Mm. in in a different way. It was more like, we didn't raise you. We didn't train you, so we're not going to give you any attention, but you're here. Mm. So we'll just kind of like do what we can, not pay much attention to you. Here's our... Here, here are our girls that we're building up, right? And that was a year, and it was t- terrible. And Joy, you came back at that time. You were there. Yeah, I was injured. So I don't have very many memories of them specifically because I was injured. I think I was already tossed aside because of injuries. So I That's don't a good way like of putting it. Tossed aside. Yeah, you're not our person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember even being told the female coach basically told me in a whole line of people, you're not our person. We don't care. And she at that second said, but you are our little computer is the way that they put it. And basically like, we're going to groom you to be the next champion, literally in this line of people. And at that point it was like, you're out, you're in. And so at that point I was like, I guess I'm out. <laughs> like, this is, this, no one wants to be where they're not wanted, right? Yeah. Um, and at that point, I think we were older. It was like 13, 14. And so I ended up going to Colorado Springs to train. And Laura, you'll get a kick out of this one. I had a trial, Joy, like what you had at Pozars, and it was for a week. And we had planned on selling our home. My mom and I moving into an apartment in Colorado Springs. We had it picked out. We were like, about to sign the lease. My dad was going to run the family business from Sacramento. And on the last day, they they were already like, yep, everything looks good. She's going to make our team of six. They only took six. Oh, um, wow. The seventh person had won nationals the year before in level 10. And she wasn't in the group of six. What? And I was wow. like, this is weird. Uh, but I was a little bit younger. So maybe had another year of training, you know, advantage. Um, and so net net, at the end of the week, who showed up? Carrie Strug, because Bella Carulli had retired. And Carrie Strug oh, showed up. Wow. And so she was, of course, put in their group of six. And so I was seven. I was bumped out. And they're like, well, you can train with our level 10s. And my parents were like, this is not why we're moving across the country to train level 10. And so I left. Um, and I had to go back to Sacramento. And I do remember that night in our hotel room, my dad was scheduled to leave the next day. And he was like, good thing I didn't leave. And good thing you didn't move into the apartment with mom and they were talking and I was pretending to be asleep and they're like, I guess we'll go to this other club in Sacramento. And at that moment I was like, sweet. I don't have to be elite anymore because this new club is never going to make me elite. Mm. I'll go for a college scholarship. And I remember feeling shame, but also relief. And that night I threw up for hours and hours and hours in the bathroom, not knowing why I was throwing up, but it was my reaction purging what had just happened. And then the next day I started at the new club and finished my high school career there. Long story short, Rick ended up coming to that club my junior year 
No. And coaching. <laughs> Holy shit. And I was just like, left how? How did this happen? I thought we got, <laughs> I thought we got through this. And I remember being like, well, shoot, man, now I'm good. I'm going to college in two years. And really long story short, I was terrified. But when he came, he obviously couldn't have the same approach because he didn't own the gym. He wasn't the head coach. He was kind of a guest coach. I don't even know if that was the only gym he could get hired at or what the deal was. But he did end up being kind of normal for that year. He was only there for a year. And it got me into college. I got a scholarship. And it ended up being fine. But I do remember at that club, the other girls being like, who is this dude? And why does he have these crazy workouts, which were way watered down from what we did? You know, I was like, just, just go with it. Like, just don't resist. Just go with it. So at that point I was 16. Like, how did this boomerang back here? You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would. Wow. Like, so I, yeah, that's really crazy. So Kara, I don't know if I shared with you this story on our call, but I I coached gymnastics really briefly. I couldn't do it that long. It was very triggering for me, but I ended up coaching and my girls competed against Rick's girls at one competition. And I remember one of our teammates was there. She was competing for UCLA at the time. And she was like, I'm going to go see Rick, do you want to come join me? And I said, okay. And she walked up to Rick and I turned around and I walked out the door because I couldn't, I couldn't say hello um, because of all that trauma. I didn't have the language for it. Like I'm at the door walking out and I can see her turning around and be like, enjoys here and I'm not there and she's looking for me and I'm gone you know and I'm like oh my god just that fear of just being in that presence was really hard for me so I think it takes a lot of courage like to I don't know there's so many layers of weirdness presence and that same person you coached with that same teammate of ours that was many years younger at the time was the one that that coach later on at Posers was like here's our new prodigy and she did end up being pretty great. And so it made me competitive and have a nasty taste in my mouth, right? Of course, you mature and you're like, well, that that was not us kids. That was the adults in the background. But that's, um, yeah, drama. like it's just stuff that's so awful that they pin yeah. you against each other yeah. like that. They did. And then another coach who was my coach was like, oh, I can't believe all the things that that person has gone through and up against. And I'm like, you have no clue. You don't even yep. know what other people yeah. have been through, you know? That's right. Yeah. So my point is, it's kind of a lonely story, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Each every person has their own journey. Yeah, that is absolutely spot on, Kara. And this is the whole point of how this even podcast came to be: is that we come from this generation of gymnasts and athletes where you, you don't complain, you do as you're told. We're all excellent. We all have gifts. We're all talented. When I think about it now, and I think about those coaches, if I really think about it, were they great coaches? Actually not, because a great coach would be able to look at all these beautiful variations of gymnasts and all their talents and their capabilities, their emotions, and be able to inspire, you know, bring out the best in that athlete in many different ways. And they only Mm -hmm. had one way, one avenue, that their way or the highway, and either you fit it, or if not, you're tossed aside. And you're tossed aside with so much heartache and so many pains and all kinds of memories and so much trauma but a great coach 
would not do that. A great coach would be able to inspire with love and care and all this kinds of support. What's interesting mm -hmm. is that when we, when I hear the stories of you, Joy, or of other people who have tried to take their experiences and do something different, how pervasive the fear-based coaching was for so long and that, that being the norm, it's actually really hard to be this sort of inspire without fear, so to speak, inspire without all these really insane workouts and ways of being in a six-pack style. I hope it's different now, although I just reading about Utah gymnastics and you know, there's still lots of things happening in the country. Um, but anyway, such a good point about feeling very, very lonely. But the reality is, is actually we're in excellent community. Really. Mm. We just don't yeah. talk about it because we're trained not to talk about it. Yeah, I yeah. echo that. Like it's really about the silence, right? You're silent, you stay quiet, and that's why it feels lonely is because we're not sharing these stories. And yeah. how different would our experience be if we were like, like a day that you got kicked out? If I went up to you and I'd be like, that was horrible. You shouldn't have gotten kicked out because of – and sometimes we didn't even know why we got kicked <laughs> yeah. out. Yes. You know, totally. like, yeah. It was – I don't know totally. why he kicked you out, but – that didn't make sense, you know, and just to have one person acknowledge that like, yeah, that man's crazy. And then to one up where an adult goes in and says to that person, stop, stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It shouldn't be that it's the, these young people having to remind each other, which is that's what often was the case, because when we start talking with each other, I mean, even for me to see some old teammates and the first thing we have is this like just this wish to just hold and support but it's just hard because even trying to be open you're not trained to be open so that block there letting that block out to even support each and let each other know that it's okay it's we have to train it out of each other but the question isn't you know why we should have these people supporting one another like athlete to athlete the question is, is why did this have to happen to begin with? Why not just have yeah. really great loving coaches? Yeah. So Kara, I know that when we chatted, you, you did talk about having a coach that saw you and saw your potential and nurtured that. Then you eventually went to compete for the University of Santa Barbara. You awesome. have a, a very interesting career because... When we were gymnasts, collegiate gymnastics wasn't as huge as it is now, you know. So you have this experience from going to really intense gymnastics to that collegiate level. What was your collegiate level like? Um, college is kind of an after party. Well, not so much anymore, but in our days, our, we were pretty uh, debilitated physically by then, most collegiate mm. gymnasts. So we spent more time in the training room than we did training the mm. training room being where you got your injuries taped up and, you know, treated before practice or after. Yeah. Um, for me, my mentality was, this is my ticket out of my hometown. It's my ticket to a new start and my ticket to a future because I get a great education. So I chose the worst D1 school where I could get a scholarship and have a great education. Worst meaning like worst rated gymnastically, who are like always last, right? So... The career was hard because my body was, it finally changed. I gained 50 pounds my first year. So, you know, I had just torn my Achilles tendon. I had to come back in order to keep my scholarship. And so then I didn't have recoil. So there was a lot that went into just getting there and keeping my scholarship. It was just a partial scholarship, but it got me out of my hometown, which was where all that trauma was, right? So it was just a fresh start. 
I saw it as a gift, but it, it didn't come without its struggles. And then our coach from UCSB was killed in 9-11. Oh, my, she oh my gosh. Was on, yeah, she was on flight 77 that crashed in the Pentagon. So the reaction to that from our administration at UC Santa Barbara was to just cut our program. They just said it. So I got a voicemail a couple days after 9-11 that said, we have decided to discontinue the gymnastics program. And so like that, an 18-year career, I was just like, wait, so I'm done? That's it? And they said, we'll honor your scholarship for one more year. So it was just a lot of more trauma, I guess. It was just like, what just happened Um, with one voicemail? They didn't leave their name. It ended up being the secretary of athletic director. (laughs) And I was just like, I have so many questions. What is happening? Can I go pick up my grips from the gym? What's happening? (sighs) It was a weird, also tumultuous time. And then I ended up tearing out my shoulder twice, having it reconstructed during college. And so I ended up medically retiring. And that was the best thing ever just my senior Mm. year I could just focus on academics and I I ended up going to Italy by myself and studying abroad and graduating and it was just wonderful I remember feeling like I don't have to be scared I'm gonna get injured anymore and I don't have to be scared anymore that Mm. someone or something's gonna hurt me the world is kind of my oyster it was really nice to kind of the progression of the career although I never got to live to my potential and it was pretty Traumatic and disappointing. I was thankful that it got me to Santa Barbara. And from there, I've had a great professional career and family. And so, you know, one decision leads to the next in life. And I was just glad to be out of that chapter. Yeah. It's almost like the universe sort of handed you this exit that you've been wanting. I think about the little girl that's like, I want to do softball, you know, trying to get out of this and then waiting for that natural ending. It wasn't you who said, I'm done. It was all these natural causes that sort of was like, the story is unfolding and your story is going to begin now. And you really took your life and made it your own. Can you talk about that shift of no longer doing gymnastics going on these great adventures and how did you heal from all of that? Oh gosh. Um, succinctly, it took five years to function as a normal person. I remember it being mm-hmm. rougher than when I was a gymnast, but I didn't know it. I went to Europe. I got two jobs, saved up a bunch of money and lost so much weight. I developed a de- eating disorder that I didn't know I had because I was still trying to travel and train. And even though I was just figure out the world without being told what to eat or how much to train. And I ended up yeah. walking so much and not eating enough and still working out. And I was alone for half a year. So mm. no one was there to be like, Hey, what are you doing? You know? And so I got home back yeah. to Sacramento Christmas time and then went to graduate. It was my senior year of college. And my family was like, what happened? What is going on? And I ended up having to enter inpatient therapy for eating disorder. And um, once it was brought to my attention, what was happening, I was like, Oh, this makes sense. I understand Mm -hmm. what's happening now. It was the only thing I could control Mm -hmm. transitioning out with what to eat and how much to train. And so it was this contradiction of now having adventures with also how do you function in this new world without someone telling you exactly what to do all the time. It took five years and now it's it's great, but it was definitely hard. I think like anything else, when you grow up as a gymnast, I saw it as, okay, healing is your new assignment. And so I was like, okay, here's what I do. And it was easy from That's there. Incredible. <laughs> I love that. yeah. That's actually um, really cool, Kara. That. That's a great Yeah. Answer. So yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't that hard. Once I figured out this is what's happening to me and it had to be brought to my attention by professionals. 
it was fine from there. And I think now it's like, someone asked me the other day on an icebreaker for a meeting, what's, what are you most proud of in your life? And I actually said my mental health being intact and it's not without work. We've all had to work for that. I think because of that, I've gone through adult traumas of losing parents and sibling and you know yeah. it's interesting how even when those things come up as awful as they are you go back to that okay I actually know how to deal with this mm-hmm. and so it's a different level of functioning through trauma that you have now that's really helpful mm. to yourself and to others that might be going through it and you can be more empathetic towards others and understand others when they're going through their own traumas because of what we've been through so now on the other end of uh, the spectrum, it's been a blessing. Would I do it again? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I don't think so. But it's the cards that we were dealt. So yeah, oh, you're so kick that's ass. That's incredible. Kara. Kick ass. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, even when we talked, Kara, I, I remember telling you, "How did you get there so quickly?" You know, because it's taking me a long time to even admit that we went through abuse. Like that was the first time I said, pretty much said maybe like a few months ago that I acknowledged it as that. And Mm -hmm. I almost felt like when I was talking to you, you're like, yeah, come on board. I've been waiting for you. You know, (laughs) I've been waiting for a teammate to figure this out with me. The whole point in Hanacity is finding this community that is supportive, that we're in this together, that we're not Mm -hmm. alone in this and that we can heal together. And we're trying to do that as a community. So we thank you so much for having the courage to share your story because it's really powerful. I will say this because Lord says this to me all the time, because I think we tend to limit how good we were. And you were a phenomenal gymnast, Oh, you're so a sweet. phenomenal Thank gymnast. You. I would not have been the gymnast I was if I didn't have a teammate like you. Okay. So yeah, um, yeah. we went through together. Yeah. It's pretty special stuff. But I will acknowledge she was a kick-ass gymnast. So with that, (laughs) thank you so much for being on our show. And I love you so much. And I'm so grateful that that we have this and that we will be in this together for a really long time. And that, you know, we will not let 30 years pass before we share our stories. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm sure other subjects will come up too. Happy to... Happy yeah. to jump back in there oh, so much. Yes, that, absolutely. I mean, this is a lifetime you are of reliving, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you both. We have you all the time. Thank you, Kara. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and our website, hanacity.com. Share and follow us on Amazon and Spotify. Help us out and leave a five-star review. Thanks.